0: All right. Well, hello, everyone. It's great to see you all here this evening together and online. Good to see you. Good morning. It's uh, a good time to gather here in this Advent season. This is our last week together as Redemption Tucson. As Jenny said earlier, I want to just make you aware of a couple things that on uh, Christmas Eve. We are partnering with M- Mission Church and um, definitely invite all of you and, and encourage you, if you know anyone who wants to participate in that in that service um, in some way, to please um, I'm going to go ahead and move this out of the way here for right now, but um, uh, yeah, yeah, to please join us. We're, we're excited to to gather in that way, we have again at the um, at the annex actually it's called the the uh, the F- festival grounds at the annex and I want to make one quick shout out they say whoever they is that everyone's challenge is no one's challenge, but I want to prove them wrong okay I want to throw out a challenge an invitation to serve um, on Christmas Eve we have uh, again we're doing kind of like a drive-in movie theater style and um, we need some folks to kind of oversee the parking lot. And so, um, we need about five to six folks from our church to, to serve in that way. So I'd love to just, again, throw it out there and invite you to please let me know if you, if you can help in that way. And I can give you all the details about that. Um, also one other thing I want to make you aware of before I invite up the family to walk through this Advent time together is, um, is that uh, we're not going to be having a service uh, the day after Christmas. So for us on Saturday evening, that would be um, on December 26th. And we're not going to be having a service just for a number of reasons. We just thought it would be best and we'll equip you. We want to put some things out there to equip all of us to still worship as families in some way. So again, keep your eye out for that online or for the email that we send out. But um, yeah, I just want to make you all aware of that. And then we'll pick back up in early January together and kick off a new year together. Amen to that? Yes. Well, let me introduce now our um, Advent time. As we've been doing each week, as you see here... In this Advent season, we're building our anticipation for the coming, the second coming of Jesus, as we remember his first coming. And each week we've gotten to hear from a family and kind of prepare us to walk through a theme. And I'm very excited to invite up the Johnson family. So will y'all go ahead and uh, clap and welcome them up here together? Here we go. And um, yeah, well, great to have y'all up here together Johnson family, yeah, go ahead, move in there. I, I don't need to be um, in the way there. I'll move out here. And um, yeah, would y'all go ahead and please just introduce yourselves to us, your your family, and then share with us what this theme of love, uh, how that's impacted you all. Yeah,
1: so we're the Johnson family. I'm Becca, and this is my husband, Joel, and his parents, Camilla and Dan. Um, and we're also... We have a brother-in-law and sister, Kendra and Alex Alvarez, who are just joining us in spirit via via the um, online right now. (laughs) That's great. All right. Well, Dave asked us to um, share our Advent from a very personal perspective, so we're going to get really real with you here. Mm -hmm. Um, Advent has always been, for our family, a very joyous time. It has been filled with um, Christmas plays and music and adoptive families and just lots and lots of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, this Advent has been very different for us. Um, we have, in the last four months, lost five family members. Um, wow. And I just want to preface that with saying none of it had anything to do with COVID, to, um, just to relieve any concerns. Um, we have lost um, two very beloved aunts, um, mm-hmm. Dan has lost his father and I have lost my father and we are currently walking through the loss of um, a very loved baby, um, a a miscarriage for um, our daughter and son-in-law. And so (laughs) the message last week was very powerful for us as Tyler talked about how the greatest sorrow is that broken relationship. Mm. And the greatest joys are those treasured relationships. Um, we have experienced all of that. Um, very beloved relationships with our aunts and, and with Dan's dad. A very broken relationship with my father um, in that no matter what any of us have tried and our kids have tried, our y- it just didn't matter what we, what we extended. Um, it was refused by mm. my father. And so to have him pass without any restoration was very very hard Um, uh, in uh, the Bible project has a wonderful Advent series right now I'm sure a lot of you um, have experienced that it talks about agape love is a choice to seek the well-being of others more than yourself a love that extends even to those that reject us and this has definitely been what we have been walking through um, mm. because we have definitely experienced the blessing of love from family members, but also um, that rejection that no matter what we did couldn't, couldn't get surpassed. Um, we have been able to deal with that, though, because of presence. Um, being in God's presence and you know that's been a range Mm. (laughs) that has been from yelling out to God to being down on our knees crying to being really dumbfounded Mm. um, as we have tried to figure out this baby the loss of this baby who as Tyler said we had already loved down to our bones um, Mm. even though we hadn't gotten to meet that child Um, But it has definitely made us realize that Advent is still about joy and is still about love. Mm. Because through all of this, God has definitely been present. Um, And it is the presence of our family and our friends. You know, none of them could do anything. There's nothing that can be done. (laughs) but the presence is everything. So we just want you to hear that because I know that not everybody is walking through the joy of Advent in the world sense of joy. Hmm. Um, But there is still joy because he does love us and he died for us and he is here.
2: And I'll just add to that. Um, Beck and I recently reread through uh, C.S. Lewis's Great Divorce um, last month. And if you know that book, it's uh, a fictional um, uh, idea of a bus ride from hell to heaven and the conversations that happen across those sides. And in one of the exchanges, um, a man says to a woman who is in, in heaven that if you really loved me, if you had ever really loved me, you would leave this in order to go and be with me. And she's trying to explain to him that um, to abandon Christ would be to abandon love altogether um, because Christ is love. And there's this amazing sentence in there that says, um, I am in love and out of it I will not go. Um, And we've just been thinking about that um, through this season that um, earlier at at the beginning of this, Beck and I moved from Washington State back down to Arizona um, in April. And so we were also kind of just walking through the loss of, of that community that we had grown really close to and um, and in a season where it was challenging to build and participate in community again. And and I think it, this year has been a bit of a heart check for us um, because it's easy to realize that, um, to think that oh, we're participating in community and that leads us into love. Um, and that's really true in a lot of ways. but. It's also easy to 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 reach community and to settle there and to settle in that comfort. And I think this year has been a reminder that, um, as Dave said a couple of weeks ago, that all those good things are are wonderful, but they fall short of intimacy with God. And so, when we rework that and we go the other way, when we are in Christ, we are in love, and then that spills over into everything else and and satisfies everything else. Um, So I just wanted to read a a short passage from 1 John, chapter 4. Um, Verse 16 says, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. And by this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. And I think that's just been kind of the hope of love in Advent for us this year is that um, to abide in Christ is to abide in love, and and that can transcend um, everything else that is happening in this world.
0: Wow. Amen. Well, say, thank you all so much for, for sharing with us so honestly and vulnerably. And um, yeah, would you go ahead and light the candle, Becca, and then... Um, yeah, this last candle is a rem- reminder, is to rem- remind us of love, and again, all that you've shared, I think, helps on that. Actually, um, before we re- read the the p- passage, let's pray together um, for the, and alongside all of you. Heavenly Father, we we come before you as a, a church family. Um, Lord, we we acknowledge the pain of lo- loss. We thank you that as Camilla shared, the, um, Lord, the, the shaping foundation of, of love because of your initiating love, um, Lord, that we can um, extend to each other, that we can hold on to w- with hope and with assurance um, amidst great loss. And so, Lord, we want to pray alongside the Johnson family. Lord, we pray that you, Lord Jesus, the, the great comforter, um, Lord, the, the great cardiologist, the heart surgeon. Um, Lord, we pray that you will, you will comfort um, through friends, through family, through our, our church, but ultimately through your word, through your Holy Spirit, through your good news, um, your presence. And uh, again, we, we thank you that, that we can know what love looks like and how that shapes our lives even amidst great tragedy and lo- loss. And so we pray that you will continue to shape us by your gospel. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. And now, church, will um, all of us stand, please, as we read God's word? As a reminder, as we do every week, we read or we stand out of reverence
2: and awe. Aaron, just in closing, thank you for the love of this family, of this church, and also of our blood family, relatives, and welcoming us into this community. And this is from Isaiah Chapter 65, verse 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. Please, This is the reading of the word of the Lord. Please be seated.
0: All right. Thank you, John. Yeah, well, let's go ahead and thank them again. Little. All right. Hello. Uh, if you're just tuning in or just came in, um, again, my name is... Dave, I actually think I forgot to introduce myself earlier. I was the uh, voice off screen there, um, but you know, this in this time as we get into this uh, this last Advent sermon together, um, we're looking at this idea that we've been walking through of the the kingdom joining in Jesus's prayer that he called us to pray: Your kingdom come, Your will be done. And each week we've walked through a different aspect of Jesus's kingdom. And this week we're looking at his forever kingdom and my hope in our time together right now. And if you will go ahead and turn to Isaiah chapter 65, that'll be the primary passage we're going to walk through. But my hope, I'm going to share a few quotes and different things. My hope is that by the Holy Spirit, that the Lord will help awaken our imaginations to 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 build our hope to build our expectations to build our anticipation for what is to come and for how that shapes our lives right now. And so with that as the Johnson family did so well and so honestly and authentically, let's just acknowledge like this question, what do we do with Christmas 2020? We were joking, my wo- wife and I, that um, we actually went to a New Year's Eve party with the Wennec f- family. They might be outside or they're they're often here. They're a family in our church. And um, their theme was Roaring Twenties, right? And it was this idea of, oh, the twenties, just go into it. It'll be so fun. It'll be so so, I don't know, smooth. And, right, it has been nothing but that. But what do we do with that? I think we have a couple options. One is we can do we just kind of skip it? I know as as a family, we're one of those families or folks that I at least, there's an internal debate about when you can listen to Christmas music or not, and when you can hang up your lights and not, and all that stuff, and I'm very much of the mindset that starting on Thanksgiving, you can do all those things, and then sometime within the first week after New Year's, those things need to come to an end. And that's the window. But with that, I love when we're in that window. Well, this year, the day after Thanksgiving, as we're opening boxes and hanging up lights and stuff, all of us just sort of agreed, like, it doesn't really feel the same (laughs) this year. So we could just skip it, right? What's the point? If we're not able to be with family, um, there's so much we can't do, should we just kind of skip it? Not taint all those joy-filled m- memories, and just kind of move on until next year. Hope it gets better. Or we can we can pretend, right? Slap on a smile. You will be happy, kids. We're hanging up lights right now. We're gonna put the star on the tree, and we're just gonna we're gonna force ourselves into, you know, the joy of this season. But that totally misses it, right? That's fleeting. Let me share a, a quote from a gal, um, a theologian and professor. Christina Cleveland. And this is what she says about this Advent season. We've been tricked by chocolate-filled Advent calendars and blissful Christmas pageants that gloss over the very real evil that makes the Messiah's coming so very necessary, so very loving, and so very heroic. Advent isn't a holiday party it doesn't pressure us to conjure up a hopeful face ring bells and dismiss the foulest realities we face advent isn't about our best world it's about our worst world i think we eat the chocolate and put on the pageants because we want to face because we don't want to face the worst Advent is an invitation to plunge into the deep, dark waters of our worst world, knowing that when we resurface for air, we will encounter the hopeful, hovering spirit of God. You see, the gospel, the advent, the coming of Jesus, entering into our broken darkness And then promising to come again, his second advent, his second coming. Because of Jesus, because of the gospel, that enables us to look at the very worst, darkest things we face, square in the eye, and say, this won't last. No matter how difficult, no matter how tragic, this is not the end. So we enter into this story, as Dan read, pick up with me in Isaiah chapter 65, verse 17, where we see this promise. This is so far before Jesus even shows up on the scene, before Christmas at all, right? Where this is, this is God talking to his people who have been through a whole series of ups and downs and tragedies and difficulties, and God begins to help his people understand what is to come. This is the new heavens and the new earth. Beginning in verse 17, he says this, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or even come to mind, but but be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy, and her people to be a gladness, I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping, the cry of distress. Nor, no more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not fill out his days. I don't think Camilla knew where we'd be this evening when we spend time talking about the forever kingdom of Jesus. And I didn't know all of wo- what you shared. And I want to say I'm I'm sorry. And my heart breaks alongside you. And having lost my, my own dad during this COVID season. And um, having family and friends and ourselves as well. Having lost, as a church we've had to, um, actually the first few funeral of our church was, a child and that's not the way it should be and the gospel the good news of jesus allows us to look at the most broken places in our lives in our world these things are written no more will these things happen because they currently do happen because children die perhaps before they're even born children created in god's image Life ends. That's not the way it should be. And yet the promise here is that a day is coming when those things will cease. And this author, Isaiah, continues in the second part of this verse where he says, the sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit they shall not build and another inhabit they shall not plant and another eat for like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands so that that whole part you and I might not know upon just first looking at but this is a reversal okay these things right you just we could just read them and skip over so many things to build houses and actually inhabit them. To plant vineyards and actually eat their fruit. Well, th- this is the reversal of a curse. In Deuteronomy, when God talks to his people who have chosen sin, like each of us, in some way chosen no thanks God. I don't want your way. I don't want the way you designed. I don't want my identity and my purpose to be shaped by you. I want it my way. And his people time and time again, turn away from him and go apart from him and and say, um, and they they reject him. And so the curse is not just God like, well, fine, I'll give a a curse on you, a, a vex on you. A curse is the reality of not God, is the reality of life apart from our creator. It's unreconciled relationship. It's brokenness in how we interact with God and how we interact with ourselves and how we interact with each other and how how we interact with the world at at large. And so this is a a hint or a shadow or or an outpouring of even the first curse in Genesis chapter three. When sin entered into the world, God says, okay, you have separated from me. Here's what that's gonna look like. In, in including work, right? That last verse that I, I read says, my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. Well, well, the result of sin, the world that we live in right now is work is broken. I know some of your stories right now and having to let people go, loss of job y- yourself an industry that's unpredictable. So, so much of work is painful, is sad, is tragic. You know, I know for me, I, I, you know, but pastor work, it's, it's man, my back hurts at the end of the day. It's, all right, I'm sweating. I, no, it's not in that way. It's not like you don't get rough like being a pastor, you know, like, man, your arms are looking swole. Have you been praying a lot? You're really, you know, it's not how it works. But it's still difficult at times. This season, work has been difficult. I'm sure for all of us in some way, we acknowledge that. But the promise of God is, one day it won't be like that. Now I don't think we're all just gonna sit and get you know fat and lazy in in heaven, just sitting on the recliner watching TV, not working. Okay, work existed before sin entered into the world, but but perfectly. I'm not the most handy guy. Those of you who know me well know that. But but there is something good. The few things I have actually tried, I, we installed a toilet. David and I. Um, we're we're Bonded for life. You do something like that, and um, it feels good, right? And some of you are like, I could do that in my sleep. Well, don't rain on my parade, all right? It was a big deal, <laughs> and um, and he did all of it except he had to leave early, and I actually got to seal the little part around it. So I did that. Even that, I felt like, whoa, it's actually it's not shaking. It's solid. It's secure. It's in there. There's not water bubbling up. Wow, that's good. There's something good about work. And one day in Jesus' forever kingdom. We will enjoy the work that we get to participate in. And then even more, it continues on. Again, let's imagine. We can take these things for granted. Imagine this day that is still to come. They shall not labor in vain or bear children in calamity. Again, another part of the curse is pain and childbearing. It says, for they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord, their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. Just like that day before sin entered and before Adam and Eve chose to turn away from God, we hear that God was walking in the cool of the day in the garden and they would hear his voice and would delight and would run toward him. That kind of relationship will be reconciled with our creator. Verse 25, the wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, and dust shall be the serpent's food. There shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. I see a couple young kids in here. Um, Kids, do you usually see wolves and lambs in the same exhibit at the zoo? You might not know. I don't know. Maybe why why not? Well, your parents know why not, right? (laughs) And uh, like you could sue the zoo if that were the case. You'd have to pay for counseling for your kids or a lion and an ox like sharing some straw here after you. No, after you. You know this. That's not what happens in the world that we live in. But one day that will be. Now again, especially for those of us who have been around the church for a while, we might read these things. Oh yeah, the lion and the lamb. The 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 wolf and the sheep. Okay, yeah, and move on. But imagine, like we need to help each other. We need to help our kids, parents, grandparents. We need to help enliven our imaginations for the day that is still to come. In the promised kingdom, the forever kingdom of Jesus, what will it look like? All right, those of us who are in Tucson, okay, imagine a perfect Tucson okay, what does that look like? I don't think it means oceanfront property in Arizona. Some of us like think, oh, heaven one day, it'll be everything I want and everything I imagine all this, but somehow it will still display God's glory and his splendor and his creativity and his beauty. I don't think it means that we will all of a sudden just not need San Diego anymore, right? Because we now have it right here in Tucson, but somehow across this restored world, there will still be mountains somewhere else and still be oceans. somewhere somewhere else and, and, different climates and different places. And I believe there will still, there will be a restored desert. Imagine though what it looks like. It probably doesn't mean we ever have 115 degrees again, right? It probably means still hot and dry, but somehow perfect. Imagine running along the Santa Cruz river that's flowing, yeah, can you, I mean, this is exciting. And then where it meets the Rito. I'm an adventure, like, monger. I love, like, I imagine that being, like, a pretty tumultuous, like, water, fr- right? It's, like, crashing into each other where the r- r- Rito joins the Santa Cruz and then continues to flow. And I like to imagine you could probably, like, cannonball into that. And you're like, you know, you're trying to go and then, okay, you finally get off and you dry and then you get off and then you now turn and you're on the hito where I've run up on coyotes multiple times. I've shared these stories. Sometimes I'm like, it's super hot. And we're both like, all right, whichever one of us drops first, the other one wins, right? It's been, And they're usually mangy, nasty looking coyotes. True story. One time I ran upon a coyote eating a rabbit. It was disgusting. But imagine, like in our context, right? Like we need to bring this home a little bit. A mountain lion, one of my most terrifying things is imagining running up on a mountain lion. I talked to um, the Johnson earlier who went on a trail run today. And imagine you're you're running alongside one of these rivers and the mountain lion's on this side. And then a deer on the other. They're drinking water. And somehow it's perfect. And it's good. That's the day that we have to come. We need to help each other imagine. Not just like I read earlier with eat some chocolates and sing some carols and hang up some lights and just pretend it's not that bad. No, the good news of Jesus means we can look at the very worst. And no, this isn't the end of the story. Amen. The end of the story is far more than we can hope or ask or imagine. It's the Santa Cruz and the Raito flowing. It's perfect. It's beautiful. And it's good. C.S. Lewis helps. He helps us grow our imagination. Parents, if again, like me, you're not that creative and you don't know where to start. Read through the Chronicles of Narnia with your kids. Have conversations about it. Let me read with us one section from the last book, at least chronologically, The Last Battle. So this is after the brokenness, the sadness, the difficulty, the death, the the tragedy. And then C.S. Lewis writes this last part. The difference between the old Narnia and the new Narnia was like that.